0: Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. In a world that is dominated by narratives of fear, anxiety, and worry, what does it mean that joy is not dependent on outward circumstances, but on the inner state of one's heart? You've joined us in our series, Philippians, where we are exploring what Paul meant when he wrote to have joy in everything and the importance of living in unity among believers for the sake of the gospel. We pray that this message is a blessing.
1: Week two of our six-week journey in the book of Philippians. Now, to just give you some context, I don't know if this happened last week. I might be stepping on toes here. But the book of Philippians is, it's actually a letter in the New Testament. It's written by Paul the Apostle to the church in Philippi. And if you look at the screen, you'll actually see a map. You'll see right down in the bottom right-hand corner, that's Jerusalem. You come up through Syria on the right-hand there. You come into Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. You see all the churches there. You got Ephesus, you got the Colossians, you got the Corinthians, you got the Thessalonians. Like You've got all these different churches around that area. If you look up in the middle there, there's Philippi in Macedonia, but that's now modern-day Greece. And if you look over into the top left corner, that's Rome. And it's believed that Paul wrote this letter from prison in Rome around the year 62 AD. And they believe that Paul was, uh, was executed around the year 65 to 67 AD. So the question is, why was Paul executed? It's because of his faith in and proclamation of Jesus N.T. Wright says, who is a New Testament scholar very much into Paul, he says, Paul was killed for his faith in Christ, for his commitment to the gospel and for his loyalty to the kingdom of God over and against the kingdoms of this world. You see, Paul was executed because of his Christian beliefs, his preaching of the gospel, which was actually seen as a threat to the Jewish and Roman empire, their established religions and their social structures. You see, Paul's preaching of Jesus He preached him as the son of God, the Messiah, the king of kings. And this challenged the beliefs of the Roman Empire. This challenged the beliefs of even the Roman Emperor himself who considered himself divine. But but Paul was preaching another human, another man who was truly divine and this was coming against him. But we see here Paul's willingness to suffer and die through his beliefs. And this inspired generations of Christians to follow in his footsteps and stand firm in the face of opposition and persecution. You see, this letter is a great insight to his time in prison before his death and how he was actually feeling and dealing with his imprisonment, his imminent death, and all the suffering that he was facing. And today we're going to be exploring most of Philippians 1, 12 to 30. So if you want to go there, you can join along with me. But I'm going to pray before we start. So would you please join me as we pray? Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to preach your word. Lord, I just thank you for people like Paul, saints across history that have been persecuted for their faith, but they held on to something, the power and the message of the gospel Lord, I pray that you would help me preach this message with truth, with grace, and with love. That in the end, God, they wouldn't look to me, that only look to you, the One who brings life, and life in life and all its fullness. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So, before I was in pastoral ministry in a church, I was a chaplain for two years with Churches of the Christ in aged care. And so I had two aged care facilities up here in Brisbane and uh, it was palliative care, dementia care. So you look at those situations and a lot of times the residents would be like, I feel like I'm in prison. I feel like I can't do what I wanna do anymore because they were stuck there because of their suffering, because of their medical conditions. There was a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of grief, a lot of death. And it was interesting, there was this one room that I would go into though, Margaret's room. And Margaret was a Christian but Margaret was suffering horrifically. She had breathing tubes, she couldn't leave her room. She was a prisoner to that room. She was suffering so much pain, but she never complained. She always with this joy in her heart said, I'm so thankful that I'm here. I'm so thankful that people are caring for me. I'm so thankful even though I'm suffering pain, I put on a worship song or I put on an old hymn and I feel the presence of God. I know God's here with me. And she says this with this joy that I just can't fathom. And she's looking at her life, which is coming to an end. And she goes, Scott, I just can't wait to see him. I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait for that day where I actually meet my Lord and I can fall at his feet. See, there was something different in her. This amazing Christian lady had this deep-seated joy in the face of what would seem like her imprisonment her imminent death and all of her suffering. You know, I was meant to be the minister. I was meant to be the chaplain, to go in there and minister to her, but every time I walked down, it was like she ministered to me. I was like, oh, one day I hope to be like her, to face something as horrible and hard as that, but still have this joy. You see, joy is different to happiness. You see, happiness is just fleeting, but biblical joy is this deep in the soul It's not fleeting, it's not based on circumstances, it's based on truth, it's based on God. And this is what I want to focus on today. Joy in chains, joy in death, and joy in suffering. The first one, joy in chains. Paul says in verse 12, "'Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, "'that what has happened to me has happened actually to serve, "'to advance the gospel. "'As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard "'and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ.'" And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You see, Paul is in prison for his faith in Jesus and he wants the Philippians to know that that he's actually okay with his circumstances. Even though he's in this horrible situation, his heart is to encourage the church. He's there, all he wants to do is say, hey, it's okay. Imagine, imagine if Pastor Alex... He was in prison for proclaiming the gospel. Imagine if he was there and facing a death sentence. How would you feel? We'd be worried, right? We'd be in fervent prayer. we'd be worried about how he's being treated. Is he being beaten? We'd be worried about how is he taking this? How is his faith standing up in this moment? We would all just be so stressed around what was happening. And Paul knows that the Philippians would be worried for him. But instead of complaining about his situation, he writes to them to encourage them in the power of the gospel and faith in God. This is just beautiful. He starts with, I want you to know. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's like, listen, I need you to know this. Be encouraged, be thankful, actually praise God for my situation. I know it looks hopeless. I know it looks like it's a loss, but it's not. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where it just seems hopeless? It feels hopeless? A situation where you think nothing good can actually come from this. What Paul is saying here, there's there's never a situation that God actually can't use for the sake of the gospel. And I believe this is one thing that, that God wants to impart to us today that He is actually sovereign. And he can use any situation for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, what happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. Paul's situation, although it's bad, is still advancing the gospel. He goes, you guys think my imprisonment and imminent death has stopped the gospel? But nothing can stop the gospel in the heart of a Christian that knows God is good. Because someone who knows God knows that the gospel cannot be chained and is always looking to advance the message of love and grace, whatever situation they find themselves in. Martin Luther says, Paul's attitude towards his imprisonment was a model of faith and hope in Christ. He saw his imprisonment not as a setback, but as an opportunity to pray the gospel to those around him. How often do we get caught up in our issues that we're not even aware of what God's doing in the midst of them? We get so distracted by what we're going through that we actually stop looking for opportunities to share the love and the grace of God. Do you look for opportunities to advance the gospel in all situations or or just when it's good, when times are good? He says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul's like, well, I've got all this time on my hands. Guess what? these palace guards and anyone else within earshot, they're going to hear the gospel. I'm going to give it to them. And not only hear, but they're going to see it lived out in joy, which actually would have been confusing to those who were with Paul. You know, there are stories about the fact that they had to change the guards so often because too many of them were getting saved in in Paul's like vicinity. They put guys there and they get saved. They're like, dang, get him out. And so they had to start rotating more regularly to stop people getting saved because Paul's like, if you're standing there, I'm gonna tell you about Jesus. And just like Margaret in that aged care touched me so deeply with her faith and joy, the guards and others with Paul would have been shocked that Paul had such faith and deep-seated joy in the Lord, which totally contradicted his situation. You see, Paul took every opportunity, even this horrible one, to preach the gospel with words and action and God worked through it. I don't think we understand how powerful this is. It's not like today. Prisons then were not like prisons today. Prisons today, it's, it's dry, it's clean, you get a good meal, you probably get internet. I don't know, haven't been there, thank the Lord. But back in those days, it wasn't like that. The conditions were horrible. You would have suffered beyond what we could actually think. It would have been super uncomfortable. I doubt that there was any actually happy moments for Paul. They wouldn't have treated him well at all, but Paul's attitude in suffering was actually a witness to the power of God, a witness to the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. You know, I used to be a wharfie at Brisbane. I used to drive cranes out there and unload ships, container ships. And uh, while I was working there, I worked there for about 16 years and uh, there came a point where they were automating the wharves. They were putting in automated cranes and they came down to the workforce and they said, we're making a whole bunch of you redundant soon in about six months time and just anarchy broke out. Guys were freaking out, what are we gonna do? Cause you know, you never leave the wars. Once you get on there, it's super high paid and it's just cruisy and it's great. And um, guys were like, what am I gonna do? I've never done anything else. This guy turned to me one day, he goes, why don't you care? Like you're not stressed. And I'm like, well, it's because I trust God. Like whether I'm here or whether I'm somewhere else, whether I'm working at Bunnings, It doesn't matter, I trust God is with me, that he has me, that he has my family. Yeah, things might get hard, but but I trust in his character and nature. And he just looked at me like, you're a weirdo. (laughs) John MacArthur says, the joy of Paul in the midst of his affliction is remarkable. He rejoiced not because he was suffering, but because his suffering was advancing the gospel. It wasn't like Paul's like, I froth, like getting beaten up and stuff. This is awesome. No, it's like, he's he's like, I'm actually joyful because the gospel is still going forward. Paul was so transformed by the love of God that he couldn't help but love his captives and give them the gospel. Like, I don't know, if I was there, I'd probably be happy for them not to be saved and to be punished, right? Because of the way they were treating me. But Paul knew God and he knew God was still at work in the midst of it. Do you know that today? Do you feel like you're imprisoned by something in your life? Know this. God is still at work in this very moment, and he actually still wants to work for you. Jesus himself actually tells us this in John 16. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus is like, it's gonna be tough. You are gonna go through suffering and pain. It's gonna be rough, but guess what? Be of good cheer. Have a deep-seated joy. Why? What is that source of our joy? It's Him. Because Jesus has overcome the world, and we're in Christ. He has won the victory for us. Charles Hodge says, Paul's imprisonment was not a defeat for him, but a victory for Christ. The gospel was being preached, and that's all that mattered to him. Paul's like, no matter what I'm doing or where I am, the gospel's going to preach. That's my heart. He says, and because of my change, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul's faith and joy in the gospel in change actually encouraged the church to proclaim the gospel without fear. And God wants to encourage us today through this example of Paul. In all circumstances, look for what God is doing. Look for opportunities to advance the gospel. Which brings me to my second point, joy in death. In verse 18, he says, "'Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, "'for I know that through your prayers "'and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, "'what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. "'I eagerly expect and hope that I will be in no way ashamed, "'but will have sufficient courage "'so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, "'whether by life or by death. "'For, me to, live is to, Christ, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain.' If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to part and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith, that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. You see, Paul is actually facing death head on. And again, what his desire is to encourage the church not to fear death. The fact is, he believes that it's far better, far better to be with the Lord in heaven than here on earth suffering. Douglas Moose says, Paul's willingness to die for Christ is not based on a desire for martyrdom, but on a deep love for Christ and a desire to be with him. Paul's not looking to die, but he recognizes if he does, he's going to be in the presence of his Lord. You know, this happens to me sometimes. I look out at the world and I look at the wars and I look at you know, mass shootings in the States and I look at the state of, of humanity, how we're hurting each other and destroying each other. And there are times in me where I'm like, Jesus, come back. Like, just come back now. We're messed up. We desperately need you. But then there's something in them. that goes, but Scott, there's so many people that don't know him. There's so many people that need to hear the gospel before he comes back. There are times where I'm just struggling with my inner person, my inner thoughts. I'm like, Jesus, I can't wait for the day where, where I'm with you and you've dealt with my sin. You've dealt with all these issues that I have inside of me. I can't wait for the day where I actually fall at your feet in worship, in perfect unity. You see, I'm not looking to die, but deep in my spirit, I actually look forward to seeing Jesus face to face. And I think this is, this is really important here. Does death terrify you? Are you afraid of dying? Jesus says in Matthew 10, don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus is like, don't be afraid of anyone here on earth that can just kill the body. Fear the Lord. You know, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if we're in Christ, we don't have to fear death because Jesus gives us a promise. He promises us eternal life. Do you believe Jesus' promise today? That you have eternal life in him? He says in John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Here's a promise from Jesus that he has a place for us. In his his father's house, there are many rooms and he goes to prepare a room for you, those who are in Christ. Paul was so keen on this day that he would actually spend eternity in God's presence. Charles Hodge says, Paul's focus on Christ gave him the courage to face suffering and death with joy and confidence. He knew that in Christ, he had everything he needed. But not only that, not only did he not fear death, but he also knew he had a mission, a really important mission, and was willing to continue to suffer for that mission. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm going to live on the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Paul's like, I had this inexpressible joy in my heart because I'm in a win-win situation. If I die I get to be with Christ if I don't it's fruitful labor here I get to serve the king of kings and the lord of lords for his namesake I get to preach the gospel but if I die I get to be in his presence is that how you see life and death life with actually a kingdom purpose and no fear of death the question is are we willing to lay down some some comforts in life to actually advance the gospel are we as followers of Jesus willing to sacrifice some of our lives for the sake of the gospel? In Matthew 16, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You know, as a disciple, there are times where we must deny ourselves. We must deny our desires, our selfishness. Jesus says, take up your cross. What does that mean? It's, it's suffering. Things aren't going to be easy. But he says, it's okay. Why? Because you're following me. Because I'm with you. I'm right there before you. And Paul was willing to stay in this current state of imprisonment and suffering to be a blessing to the church and to encourage Christians that they would actually bear fruit for eternity. You see, Paul's attitude towards life and death was shaped by his faith in Christ. He saw life as a mission and his death as the ultimate reward for faithful service. This was part of Paul's joy that he had in his life, he had an actual purpose. He says, I'll continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. I love Paul's heart. He's like, you know why I'll continue? Because I want to see you guys grow. I want to see you guys progress into what? Into joy in the faith. That you would have the same joy that I have, even though I'm in this horrible situation. Paul's heart was for their spiritual growth. It brings me to my third point, joy in suffering. In verse 27, he says, whatever happens, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He's like, look at me for an example. Whatever happens, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whatever you're going through, conduct yourself. That actually means live out your faith. What you proclaim, actually live it out in a manner worthy of the gospel, in a manner worthy of what you've been actually given. Paul's calling the Philippians to live lives that reflect the teachings and the value of the gospel. This means following Christ's example of of love, humility, self-sacrifice, striving to live a life that shows people the love of God. John MacArthur says, Paul's exhortation to live a life worthy of the gospel is a call to live in a way that reflects the love, grace, and truth of Christ. Paul's actually urging the Philippians to live in such a way that, that others are drawn to the gospel and they actually see its transforming power in someone's life. That means living a life of integrity, of compassion, of generosity, and and something that reflects the beauty and goodness of the gospel message, even when you're facing imprisonment or death or suffering. Does your life reflect the gospel today? Because here's the truth we reflect something. Every one of us reflects something. We either reflect sin, we either reflect pride, we either reflect comfort. We either reflect things that we're doing that that are hurting other people. We either reflect the kingdom of darkness or we reflect the kingdom of light. Each and every one of us reflects something. And unfortunately, a lot of the time we just reflect comfort. You see, the Western church has been seduced by comfort. We've forgotten the gospel is this call to sacrificial discipleship. We are so comfortable in Australia, amen? Like look outside, it's beautiful. Yes, it's raining, but it's beautiful. Like, I live on the Gold Coast. I don't know if you could live anywhere else that's so beautiful. You've got the beach, you've got the, you've got the hills out the back. But the problem is, we've settled for a shallow, consumeristic version of Christianity that's more concerned with our own happiness rather than any of the other desires of God. And what we do is we reflect that. We reflect our own desires and our own happiness. But here's the thing everyone in prison knew Paul was a Christian because he reflected the gospel. Do you reflect the world? Or do you reflect Christ? And Paul's encouraging the Philippians, and I believe us today, to actually live out the gospel, live out what we proclaim and we believe. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as, for one, as one for the faith of the gospel. It's like whether I get released and come and see you, or whether I stay here in prison, my hope, my hope for you, is that you stand firm in the faith. Paul Paul is actually imploring them to trust the power of the gospel message. Don't think that Paul's suffering or circumstances is because God's left him, or God doesn't like him, or God doesn't love him. God's actually empowering Paul to endure suffering with joy in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wanna say, if, if you're suffering today, It doesn't mean that God's abandoned you or doesn't love you. And and I don't know the pastoral concerns in this church, but I know from experience that some of you today are facing horrible situations. Situations where you're like, I don't know if anything good can come from this. He doesn't know what I'm going through right now. And I hear you and I don't wanna downplay what you're going through. I understand it's super hard. Understand that there are times where you wonder, is God really there? But, but Paul encourages us to stand firm in the faith, to stand firm in the spirit, one spirit together. Stand on the truth of God's word. And he says, striving together. This is a call to community. What we're doing here is community where we come together to encourage one another, to build each other up, to support one another when we're suffering, when things are hard, to be there to support each other in faithful obedience. Are you trying to do life alone? Or are you gathering faith-filled Christians around you to love you, to encourage you, to guide you in the faith? You know, there are people in my life, some in this room, that have encouraged me along the way. There are people in my life, Dan and Cooley, that that I wouldn't be able to do ministry without them because they're gathering around me. They're helping me in my struggles. They're encouraging me. They're supporting me. They're lifting my arms up. I, I can't do this alone. I just can't. And God has set it up that way that we would come together, and you can't do it alone either. And that's why Jesus filled the church with his holy Spirit for us to come together in one spirit, to strive for the faith and the spreading of the gospel. In verse 28, he says, "Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God." Paul's, like, don't fear opposition. Don't fear it. You know, we're opposed more and more every day in this current age, right? Like we're more and more attacked for our moral position on so many issues. And Christians feel like they have to compromise and agree with culture to reach the lost. No, we actually need to stand on the truth because it's the truth that sets people free. Paul's encouraging us, don't fear opposition, don't conform to the ways of the world. Jesus talks about this in John 15. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you also. You know, suffering for your faith is a sign that you're saved, that you're willing to stand on God's word. And our culture's ongoing rejection of God's moral law into deeper and deeper sin is is evidence that humanity is desperate for a saviour, is desperate for Jesus. It's evidence that we are saved because we desire human flourishing and we're imploring the world to turn away from sin because it's destroying society and cultures and it's destroying relationships and individuals. And Paul's encouraging the Philippians and us, stand on God's word. Don't compromise on our moral beliefs just because culture thinks certain sins are okay and we're bigots because we don't agree with them. But what is happening, it's sin and it's destructive and we gotta call it for what it is, but we do this out of love because we genuinely wanna see people set free from sin. And will we suffer for this? Yes. Douglas Moose says, suffering for Christ is not something to be feared but something to be embraced. It is an opportunity to grow in faith and to experience the power of Christ's resurrection. You know, when we we suffer for our faith, when we step out in faith and, and we give someone the gospel, that's where you see the resurrection power of Jesus. That's when you see God working and it doesn't always work out for you. Trust me, it happens to me all the time. It doesn't always work out great. But I always sense and know the presence of God is there with me. Paul knew that his persecution that he was actually facing was from that very fact, that this was his message, that we are all sinners in need of a saviour. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because... Great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus actually says, you're blessed if you're persecuted. You're blessed if you suffer. Why? Because of righteousness. Because we're standing on righteousness. We're standing on Christ because we're proclaiming that there's only been one righteous. And that's the man Christ Jesus. He says, rejoice and be glad. That's not just be happy. That's that inner joy that Paul had. This inner part of him that he knew that he was with God, because he had his reward in heaven, it was to come. You see, Paul fully understood, but not only he understood, he actually believed, and that's why he had joy in chains, joy in death, and joy in suffering. Aaron, do you wanna come up? So Paul finishes with verse 29. He says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now here I still have. Paul says, hey, do you know what I'm writing this to you? To encourage you in the faith because I know you're suffering. I know you're suffering just like I am. I know you're suffering persecution. Paul has this pastoral heart for the Philippians. He has this heart of love and he's like, I I hear what you're going through and and I'm going through the same thing but what I wanna do is I wanna encourage you in Christ. And you might be here today, and you might be sitting there in fear of chains. Something might be holding you back. You might be fearing death. You might be have all sorts of anxiety around that, or you might be fearing suffering. I'm here to tell you there is an answer to all of that, and the answer is Jesus. You see, He wants to set you free from all, and through the power of the gospel and the power of His Holy Spirit, you can have life. You can have a life that no matter what Satan or what circumstances throughout you, you will have a deep-seated joy in your heart, a trust and a hope in the living God and He will carry you through it all. How? Through repentance and faith in Jesus by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is the very reason why Jesus came because sin separated us from God. He said, I'm not just going to sit up here and do nothing about that. I'm going to step off my throne out of love. I'm going to take on human flesh. I'm going to take the sin of the world and I'm going to take it to the cross and I'm going to nail it there. And then I'm going to bury it in the grave. And three days later, I'm going to rise again in victory over Satan, sin and death for anyone who believes, anyone who puts their faith and trust in me, repents of their sin. I will bring them life and life to the full. This is why Jesus came to bring us life that we could face all of these things in life with a joy that people can't see, but they will experience. So what's the lesson from this text today? Paul encouraged the church and he encourages us that you can't chain the gospel. There's no situation that can chain the gospel, the hand of God and death is not to be feared. It's actually a reward for us Christians that we will see Him face to face one day and we will be fully restored but also that we actually have a kingdom purpose in life. This is why we desire to continue on living, to spread the love and the generosity and the grace of God. It teaches us that suffering is real, but it actually transforms us into the likeness of Christ who actually suffered for us. And that in all circumstances, in all circumstances, we can have a deep seated joy grounded in the love of God and the power of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's the power of God. Paul's imploring you and me, live a life worthy of the gospel that you have freely received. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, I just thank you for people like Paul and others over the last 2,000 years that have stood firm on the faith of Jesus Christ. They've stood firm on the gospel, even in the face of persecution, God, even in the face of death. Lord, I pray that we would fall so in love with you, so in love with the gospel that we could not help but share it no matter what we face. God, I pray for myself that I would be like Margaret, that going through pain, suffering, intimate death, nothing else comes out but Jesus. Nothing else comes out but hope. Nothing else comes out but love. Lord, that they would actually see that and want to turn to you and put their faith and trust in you. And Lord, I pray for those people who are here today that I know, Lord, that they are struggling, that they're finding it really difficult to, to deal with the issues of life. Lord, I pray that you would just touch them with your Holy Spirit, even in this moment. That you would say, I see you suffering. I love you. I'm there with you. Lord, I pray that they would just sense and know your presence. Lord, that you would strengthen them to endure. But Lord, that they would be able to look back on these moments and actually see your hand at work in their lives and through their lives, that they would glorify you, God. And you might be sitting here in this moment of prayer and you're frightened of all those things and you've never actually put your faith and trust in Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to, to do that today. God is here. His desire is for you. He wants to give you a life and a life to the full. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to take away your sins. That's why He came out of of love for you. So I'd like if you could just Be bold enough just to raise your hand because I would just love to pray for you in this moment. So if you can raise your hand now. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the gospel truth. Lord, that you died for us, that you took away our sin. And Lord, if we repent of our sin put our faith and trust in you, you promised to give us eternal life. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and just fill all those people that call you Lord and Saviour today, that we would be light in the darkness, that we would be hope where it seems hopeless, that we would be able to love like you love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're about to sing a hymn. I don't know if we're doing an old version or the newer version, old version. Awesome, that's great. Ish, great, okay, cool. It's um, a song that has these words, it is well with my soul. And it's a song that was written by Horatio Spatford in 1873. Now his story of Horatio is that he was quite a, a rich man. He was quite well off and there was the great Chicago fires that ripped through Chicago in the 1870s and it burned everything to the ground and he lost everything all of his wealth, all of his property, everything gone. And so as he was trying to deal with all of his loss and the rubble, he sent his wife and four daughters over to Europe on a boat. And as the boat's going across the ocean, another boat ran into it and his four daughters perished. They died. His wife made it and she went into Europe and he heard the news. And so he gets on a boat to go and see his wife. And I just think, man, like I have two kids. I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to lose my sons. But he gets on a boat. And as he's going across the ocean, he says to the captain, please let me know the spot where the boat went down. And so the captain told him. And so he went into the belly of the ship. And these words came to him. It is well with my soul. Where do you get that? Where do you get that faith? Where do you get that trust? It's only by God. He says, in this moment, I've lost everything. I've lost my wealth. I've lost my daughters. But I'm going to declare that you are good. That you are still reigning. That you are still seated on the throne. And that one day I will see them. And I'll sit with you in their presence and will have fullness of joy. It was a declaration of faith that God is still good even though he was suffering. And I know you guys, some of you guys are suffering today, but we all stand and let's sing this song knowing that God is still good even in the midst of suffering and
0: pain. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.